Hey, this is Unrefined Podcast. I'm Brandon Spain, your host. Welcome to another dynamic episode. Hey, 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 everybody. This is another installment of one of my riffs. And today I want to talk about something that, that's been kind of, I don't know what's the word, kind of just rummaging around in my heart, moving around in my heart. It's just something I that I see, that I feel very strongly about, that in my life and in others' lives around me, and I just want to just kind of talk about it in a very ironic way. It's this novelty in Christianity. For years, I operated in a what I call a knowledge-based form of Christianity. And this knowledge-based form of Christianity is basically like this. And you've heard it before if you've listened to some of my other riffs. The more knowledge you have, the more mature of a Christian you are. Now, for years, I guess, being a Western Christian, I immediately assumed that that's just accurate. When I was born again, when I was converted, I, I just kind of, jumped into that river and assumed that that river was, you know, the correct place that that God wanted to take me. It's the only thing I knew when I went to churches around me. The people around me had a lot of Bible knowledge. And don't get me wrong, I knew that there was a moral aspect to Christianity, that uh, you had to, to live a moral life. But the problem is, is the moral life that I was living is I was following created man-made rules that were set up around me to give me the, I guess, plausible deniability. Is that a good way to put it? Or maybe just the, give me the comfort that I'm actually following Jesus when these man-made rules were not what he wanted me to obey at all. They were just actually smoke screens and kind of camouflage for the other commands that, that mattered much more in the scripture that I wasn't following because they were hard. I mean, let's face it, you guys. To love someone who doesn't love you, to love someone who not only doesn't love you, but is hostile towards you, that takes grace. That takes a divine working and divine enablement of grace in our hearts to be able to issue forth love as a natural result coming from our mouths and our lives. And for years, I just didn't get it. I thought that I want to go to a church that gave me meat, not milk. And I said, you know, I'm leaving this church because it doesn't feed me. Yada, 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 yada. And I didn't realize that the whole purpose of church was not just to go and to get fed, but it was to go and contribute. That I needed to contribute what I was learning in my personal life, my personal intimacy with the Father with the Son and with the Holy Spirit, into that whole dynamic of what church is. The only problem is most churches I went to, that format is not there. It, As I am famous for saying, it is usually just a TED Talk and a concert. So there's really no form of participation that you can have there. I can't bring what I'm learning in the Word there and all that kind of stuff. And there was also, the, there's a dearth of of accountability for me to begin to walk out what I'm reading about. And so what I've noticed now that I've become a part of the fringe 
side community is there, there appears to be a lot of pursuit of knowledge, which is good. You know, we have to have knowledge to inform. It goes into our left side of our brain and it's stored in a filing cabinet and it's in there. And then our right side of our brain, which is the control center of our brain, uses that knowledge to recreate, renew, basically, our minds and our souls. And so knowledge is important. However, I think in a lot of circumstances, we in the West, and this is going to shock some of you guys, and I'll probably get some blowback from this, but I'm okay with it because it's the truth. We have almost become modern-day evangelical Gnostics. Now, I had recommended a book not too long ago, and I still recommend it, called Evangelical Pharisees. And it's an incredible book. Get on my page, check it out, read it. It's just, it's like a drink of water in our hostile Christian ecosystem, so to speak. You know, we need to quit being religious towards others and judging others and using judgmentalism as a form of making oneself better than another person. You know, that... Eight out of ten times is usually what it's, the judgmentalism is used for. It operates out of our own insecurities, and we have to be right instead of being in relationship. You know, we can be in relationship, and then as we're in relationship later on, issue forth our truth and our rightness. I mean, all I know is before I was a Christian, before I was born again, I was an agnostic and into philosophy and existentialism and all kinds of different fun stuff when I was in high school in the beginning of college. And what changed my life? Someone else's life. Someone else actually walking out the tenets of Christianity. Now, where I got later on that it was all about acquiring knowledge like it was in my philosophical days, I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, I don't like to blame the church because I love the body of Christ, and we are all people who are pursuing Jesus with all our heart, and I don't want to be judgmental towards the body. Now, the system or the institution, that's a different story, you know, and I'm not going to go there. However, we must flee from this Gnostic tendency to equate spiritual superiority or spiritual maturity by how much knowledge we have. So what I see in the fringe circles with all the different research and all the stuff that we have, I see a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge. But yet at the same time, like I've put it in another riff, they, they might not love their wife or they're gossiping or they're being judgmental or they're being mean and hateful towards people. And pretty sure Jesus is more worried about that than he is whether you can wax eloquent about the Trinity. And I actually got that from a very old book, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. Don't agree with all of its theology, but yet can eat the meat and spit out the bones in it. And the basic gist is still true. Jesus is not calling us to a morality. He's not calling us to a rationality. Jesus is calling us to an intimacy. And out of that intimacy comes a rationality, and a morality, and all those kinds of things. But we can't lose sight when we're getting into these different topics, these fringe topics, these things on the edge, the Nephilim and the giants. I know it's the same thing, but the UFOs and the Bigfoots and all the, the stuff, we can't lose sight of what matters, and what matters is Jesus Christ. And that gospel, that good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came to exchange our pitiful, poor, 
measly lives for his abundant life. And that's just the start. You know, he issued for forgiveness of our sins. So therefore, we could walk in the way of him issuing forth forgiveness of other people's sins. He gave us mercy where we could walk in issuing forth mercy towards other people. I mean, let's face it, you guys. I don't know why we haven't learned in the past 200 years that, that telling people where they're wrong and asking them to turn or burn doesn't win souls. It doesn't. It either wins fearful converts or makes enemies. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is we can't get titillated with all the, the, the cool stuff that we learn. I mean, it's awesome. I see this whole community that I'm a part of now and that my podcast dabbles into and all that, and it excites me. It's opened wide the Bible to me. It's made me want to read the Old Testament. I, I've gained so much richness, but it's like I said to a friend of mine today in a podcast, you know, the meat, though, is the gospel. All this other stuff are the spices and the other stuff that we put on top of the meat that make the meat taste better. We don't want our meat bland. But then again, we can't forget that the spices are not the meat. And so I, I see this. The other thing is the other ditch that I've been seeing, too, that really breaks my heart. I see it all over the place. It's becoming very rampant and very occurrent. Is this concept. It's called pareidolia. But it basically, and a lot of you guys probably know what it is, it's, it's the tendency of the human brain to see things at certain places when they're not really there. For example, you look at a tree and you see a face, or you look in the clouds and you see an elephant. This happens in our community all the time. And it's because we're so hypersensitive to all the stuff that we imbib and all the stuff that we learn about, that we, we have to, you guys, we have to be balanced. We have to stay out of the ditches. You know, and I've been talking to a buddy of mine a lot about this, and you know what's so crucial, I think, is we have to have, number one, copious amounts of the Word of God. And when I say copious, I mean a lot, you know, to read and process and inwardly digest is what the old prayer book says. And then to put it into obedience into our life. I mean, that, that is the essence. Intimacy with God is what matters more. And it's what matters the most. And that is what's going to keep us on track and keep us in a place of hope, even despite all the chaos and all the negative and all the Freemasonry and all the Illuminati and all the occultic and everything that we see around each other, it's that intimacy with the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit that we have got to capitalize on, that we've got to we've got to jump in with both feet in the deep end with Jesus. We've got to be there. That and, and the the second thing that's really helped me is beginning to not take myself so seriously. There's been stuff going on in the world for centuries. And if I skip a day of not, you know, predictive programming a movie or pulling out the occult uh, mention here in a book or this, that, and the other, even though all that stuff is cool and it's fun and, and I love to dive into it. And like I said, it's the spice on the meat. If I miss that, it, it, the world is not going to stop. I mean, I know it says in the word that we need to expose darkness. 
But I think that we pull that out of context and we don't include a missing dynamic. And it's a person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. And I believe that He will show us when to expose darkness and, and even how to expose darkness. Jesus was never mean. You know, religious people that thought that they knew it all and they were so deceived with their religiosity, they had a veil over their faces. And even when you argued with them, they still circled back with their argument and they were always right. And, and they weren't even worth arguing with. The Lord confounded them sometimes, but I'm not going to. So back to what I was saying, we need the counselor. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his, an intimate relationship with him. You know, he is God. And that intimate relationship with him is, is going to help us to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. But when we do that, we can't be mean. Nobody listens to mean people. That's just truth. I didn't. You don't. If you're really honest with yourself, you don't listen to mean people. You avoid them like the plague. So, as I wrap up this riff here, it's just something that's really been on my heart that we, we've got to walk this road and, and stay away from these ditches. And I haven't heard many people, since I'm new to a lot of this fringe stuff, I haven't heard many people really talk about that, that we can become, you know, number one, knowledge obsessed, and number two, that we can become everything means something obsessed. There is hope in this world. And, and it's not in the world. It's in Jesus. And as we embrace that hope in an intimate relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and as we read the Word in the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see that hope. And we will not be forsaken. And He will never ever leave us.